Hey there, you are listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today's conversation is a continuation of Ferris Welsh's story. It's all about relationships for Ferris, so much so that she was chosen to join the U.S. government and mending ties with the King of Thailand in the early 2000s. In the midst of great success, Ferris has also faced great tragedy. Listen as she shares about relying on the Lord's strength. I want to welcome you back, Ferris, to the Cedar Real Stories podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation last week. And now I'd like to talk about your career and your family. So let's pick up where we left off last week, that being the start of your career with the United States government, specifically the Department of Defense, and then the tragic death of your daughter, Rachel. Ferris, for starters, did your education degree at Cedarville prepare you to be a contract negotiator, or how were you trained to do this work? Well, it wasn't a direct preparation to do this work um, from the perspective that I took a class right, to do it. It, right. it wasn't a class that did it, but the skills and the and the heart for God, I think, that was developed here, the foundation that was laid here was critical in each step of the career. One of the big things that people don't realize is, you know, there's not a lot of moral people out there sometimes. Right. And so when you take the light of Christ out of there and and you are operating in a, in a world that does not always look at Christ as the center, they are looking at you. And it gave me an opportunity just in that to say, well, you know, this is how I do what I do because Christ lives in me. And I had an opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, whether I was in the Pentagon, whether I was uh, taking my other graduate degree that I took at National Defense University, it was mm. called, or whether it was uh, talking with people from other countries, whether it was, you know, wherever. I had an opportunity because I'd say, what's you're, you're just different. You know, why are you different? What, why do you always smile and do you have joy about you? Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've never seen anybody, I've never met anybody like you. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, it's not the circumstances that are surrounding me, because some of them are really not pleasant, right? Right, right. But it's what's inside me. It's who's inside me. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that brings me joy. And he's the one that helps me when I find myself at a loss for words or um, in a place. And, and Cedarville provided some of that underpinning. You know, the chapels we went to every day, right. classrooms that we were in, and the courses that we had being taught by Christian professors right. who knew the Lord as their Savior and were able to communicate that through the lessons. Yeah. I mean, that underpinning was priceless right. in my mind. Yeah. So I don't get a sense that you were bashful to share the gospel with people, were you? I, I wasn't because I, I'm here because of him. We talked about my car accident. Right. I am alive because of him. I am not paralyzed because of him. Mm. And, and when you recognize the Lord of your life and how he's moving in your life, you know, I made it through a divorce because of him, because in and on my own strength, I didn't have it. I still don't have it. Right. It's just stuff that the Lord just says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, you know? Yeah. And that's the joy that we have to share. Yeah. It's not us. It's not about me. It's, it's what the Lord has done through me. Absolutely. 
you know, that's where I give the credit. And we can all say that. And I can't wait to see him face to face and give him a hug. It's just just being in the same room with you and producer Chris Massa just is so engaging and exciting and inspiring to me. So I've really enjoyed our conversation. I know we have a lot more to talk about. So let's, let's go that way. Okay. So as a federal contract negotiator, what were your primary responsibilities? Um, The primary responsibility, of course, you know, it's the contract law. We have to build a contract, a document, a legal binding document between the government and a big business or a small business. Or we did letters of agreement between our government and other countries. And that was my part, is to, to kind of negotiate those, to bring those together, bring all the terms. I mean, so, you know, you had to be able to write, you had to be able to communicate, you had to be able to communicate to understand, because sometimes when I say certain words, it doesn't come across to you in those same words. Right. And so you have to know, particularly if you're dealing with international countries, do you understand what I'm saying? And so you may need that teacher skill of saying it again and again in multiple different ways to make sure that you draw out what you need out of them and you give back what they can understand and need so that the document that you write is then binding legally and and the parties can live up to those agreements that you have made. So as a negotiator with foreign leaders and foreign people, Mm-hmm. Did you work through an interpreter or or do you know multiple languages? Um, I don't know multiple languages. I, I know little bits and pieces of multiple languages, okay. only enough to get by. But I, you know, because I would learn those in preparation to go over to a certain country. But believe it or not, my work was all done in English for the most part, because okay. most of our allies and people that we work with loved learning to speak English. And they loved people that were patient with them as they tried to speak English and put the words together. Um, Because our our allies, you know, or anybody from any other country, they think just like we do in our own language, and then we have to reinterpret it into the new language. And that's not necessarily instantaneous. Right. And so the Lord blessed me with that skill as well, is to be able to, I I don't know whether I'll call it patience or not, but there's an (laughs) element of it um, that, you know, you give people time to express themselves and and what they feel they need. When it comes out, then you can respond back. So it's a give and a take. And, you know, I was blessed with the skill by God to be able to do a lot of that. And um, I was glad I could use it for him and for our country. Yeah, you're a valuable resource for the United States of America. As a negotiator with foreign countries, obviously, in my mind, that meant you had to travel a lot internationally. I did. How did your children respond to their mom jet-setting across the world, or did they go with you? Well, um, my daughter, my son really didn't go with me to any of the international countries, but my daughter and I took a couple of overseas trips together and uh, introduced her. But, you know, we had a, a lot of opportunity just being here in Beaver Creek, okay. um, right Patterson Air Force Base is right there. Right. And and we have a lot of international countries represented there. So my daughter's friends, a lot of them, she would seek them out, would be the international students, because that was her way of kind of relating to what I was doing, because I was dealing with a lot of these same countries where they're 
sons and daughters were part of the Beaver Creek school system. So, you know, she did do that, but she really got a love of of travel and of uh, people from other cultures. And she was fascinated by you know, their beliefs and customs and cultures. And, and she really wanted to see and, and experience a lot of that. And I don't blame her because I did too. And God allowed me to do that through the government, even though I, I never thought I would, but I always enjoyed traveling. Where all did you travel? Um, well, I've been all over Europe. I've been all over the Middle East. Um, I've been to, well, it was Hong Kong at the time. I've been in uh, Central America partially and, oh, let's see, Japan, um, you know, Korea. Different, I, I mean, I've been all over, all over the world. I had 24 or 25 countries at one point I was responsible for. That's a great responsibility. It is, but it's very rewarding when you feel like you can be the mediator, if you will, between our allies. You know, it it was really a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful career. I'd do it all again. Yeah. And and the Lord just brought it to me. He did. Because I had no idea. I, I think I told you when I was 21 and just coming out of the car accident and just looking at finishing my teaching degree, and I knew I had student teaching ahead of me. I never dreamed of doing anything like this. I, and if you'd have told me at 21 what God was going to do and how he was going to use me, I'd never believed it. Just like right now as I sit in front of you, yeah. I know God's not finished with me yet. I don't know what he wants me to do, but I know he's not finished with me yet. And I can probably say confidently, whatever that is, you're going to do it, aren't you? I will. I'll step up and I'll say, okay, but you got to help me, God. Because, you know, I need your strength. Right. Because physically, you know, I'm getting older. I have to admit it. I'm, I'm getting older. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I can't do everything I used to do. My mind thinks I can. Yeah. But my body is not as willing as my mind. And so, um, you know, I have to rely on the Lord for yeah. strength in areas that maybe I yeah. didn't quite rely on him before. Yeah. Those are very true words in yeah. many ways. So. Ferris, in researching for today's program, what I learned was that you sold 100 or more F-16 fighter jets to Israel. Is that true? I did. It was well over 100. Yes. Um, Israel is one of our great allies. I was just blessed by God to be able to spend a lot of time with them, both in-country and here. Um, They had offices in New York City. I spent a lot of time up there in their offices, up near the UN building. I was just... uh, you know, although it was a business uh, arrangement that brought us together, right. the the Lord used that to allow me to meet um, a whole lot of other people, particularly in country, some of the rabbis and, you know, all, all kinds of people in all levels of government, ministries of defense and treasury. And and uh, even I was in the room one time when the prime minister was there. Who was point. the prime minister then? Uh, Begin. And um, so, you know, we had a great, just a great opportunity to talk with people about the Old Testament. True. Right? Right. And then how it related to the New Testament and how they're really part of the New Testament. Absolutely. After I left the program, I was getting ready to leave. I I said that I would continue to pray for the peace of Israel, Mm -hmm. uh, as we're instructed to do. And then they gave me, it's just a little, It's a dove. And on the dove, which is a dove of peace, Mm -hmm. on the dove is the city of Jerusalem was engraved. Mm. You know, it's 
it monetarily, it's not worth much, right? Probably because we weren't allowed to take anything that was over like over twenty dollars. So monetarily, it wasn't worth. It's not really worth anything. Mm-hmm. But from the meanings behind it, from all those discussions right. that they would think to give me a dove of peace, yeah, I thought was particularly, particularly important yeah. in God's kingdom. Yeah. Because, you know, they are still his chosen people. Absolutely. And he still has a plan and purpose for them. And my parting words for them was, okay, just keep looking, keep reading this, our New Testament and learning your story through the eyes of Jesus. And I said, he'll open your eyes to see. And that's mm. my prayer for you, that your eyes will be opened. That's a great witness. Yeah. God gave me witnesses like that. Yeah. Ability to talk to so many people from so many countries, even if it was just small words of parting, yeah. you know, or small things of, boy, you're just different. Yeah. You know, well, this is why I'm different. All right. I'm wondering what you felt like, what your thoughts were when the U.S. Embassy moved to Jerusalem. I was ecstatic. It's one more piece of the puzzle, I believe. Right in God bringing his kingdom together. Um, You can just see the progression. And I tell people all the time in my Bible studies and uh, church or whoever I talk to, hey, you know, watch watch what's happening with God's chosen people. Mm -hmm. Things are happening. Things are moving because God is alive. You know, he's alive. He's real. And he's the details. He pays attention to the details and his timing is perfect. He had just the right person here in our country and just the right people there in Israel. Yep. And that last piece, I believe, is fallen into place and that Jerusalem is now their capital city. Mm-hmm. Ferris, you told me in a previous conversation that during the Obama administration, you were sent to mend a damaged relationship between the United States and the king of Thailand. What caused a broken relationship, and how did you mend this fence? You know, I really can't go into a lot of that. You know, just a lot of my career is, is classified. Just tell us like, what you can tell us. Right. Well, what is it they say, um, if I tell you I have to kill you or something like that? But that's not true. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes words we speak do more harm than good. And, and God has called us to be peacemakers, And at the time, I was in the Pentagon, and um, I was working for the Department of the Air Force. The head of the international affairs was a person that I had worked with on one of my many multinational buys. Everything's connected together. Right. There's no um, circumstances with God that, you know, everything's tied together in my life. And, And they came and they said, you know, unfortunately, you know, our president has offended the king of Thailand and the nation of Thailand. And and they're thinking about breaking relations with us and and going and buying aircraft from another country. And we really need to to kind of mend some fences, and we'd like you to go with us. And, of course, I'm like, well, that's not typically what I do, right? She said to me, she said, well, but you have done this before. And and she pointed out different points in my career where I was instrumental in sealing the deal, so to speak. Right. Uh, she took me over to Thailand with a couple of other folks, and we had the opportunity to mend those fences, to restore peace and confidence that we, the United States, were indeed looking out for their best interest. And in this case, they were F-16s that they wanted and there were things that they wanted on them, and uh, some we could give them, some we could not. But I was able to explain to them why 
we could give them certain things and why we could not give them other things that they needed. Yeah. And, and so we were able to mend those fences and bring them back into the fold of being our ally. I would love to see some of that happen even today. Right. We need to mend fences in, you know, in our own country and across the world. Be peacemakers. Because he's asked us to be peacemakers, yeah. right? So we need to be careful of our words and, and what we say and how we say it. And then we need to be able to explain to people why we do certain things we do or don't do certain things that we do. Right. And so whether it's in your own life or whether it's in your business or what, yep. you know, you can go, you can apply it the whole way up. Absolutely. It's these little skill sets, yeah. you know, that, that you develop. Yeah, and, when you're talking about that, I was thinking, you know, there could be people listening to this program who are in broken relationships or broken families. Yeah. We all need to be careful what we say. Right. But, but when there's a broken relationship, we need to do all we can to mend that fence right. and restore relationships. Right, right. And I learned part of that through my own divorce. Yeah. You know, we did all we could, but God said, no, I've got something else for you. Yeah. I didn't understand it, right? Right. It seemed to me that it shut a lot of doors that I thought were open, but God said, oh, no, I'm opening other doors, yeah. right? So we don't always have to understand. No. Because, you know, God's ways are beyond our ways. Right. and But he takes us through our life. It, it's not going to be a bed of roses. He didn't promise us a bed of no. roses. No. At all. Um, but he says, I'll be with you through it all, right? And so as we learn little by little by little, car accident, divorce, you know, trying to do a new job, going all over the world, all these time zones, <laughs> all these countries, all these people, right. he taught me many things. Right. It's really about him and being dependent on him. It's a great lesson. I, I, I'm thankful you shared that. So in our final segment of the podcast, let's pivot to the story of Rachel yeah. and her tragic passing in 2011. Yeah. Rachel was in New Zealand and in some ways following in your footsteps and the international world. What was she doing? Uh, Rachel had, she had, of course, got her bachelor's and, and had almost finished her master's degree at John Jay University in New York City. And they didn't have any type of um, inter overseas international program of study or anything like that. And she says, so I'll make my own. <laughs> Just like mom. And when she told me that, I said, well, okay, if you're going to ever do it, now's the time to do it because you don't have children, you're not married, you don't have a house, you don't have a car. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have the least amount of baggage with you. And so if you have an opportunity, why don't you take it? And she comes back a few days later and she says, I'm going to New Zealand, Mom, and I'm going <laughs> to go work at Wellington University and I'm going to spend a year there. And I'm going, oh, New Zealand, uh, that's a little bit far away, isn't it? <laughs> and she said, well, you said I could go. And I said, well, yes, I just wasn't thinking, you know, halfway around the world down under, right? Right. Uh, but she laughed and she says, but mom, you know, I'm a mini me, so you got to let me go. And I said, yeah, I know I do. She took off, actually, she informed me at that point too. She says, and, and by the way, I've been saving all my money, and I'm going to leave in about two weeks, and I'm going to travel for six months to see all the countries I haven't seen <laughs> that I wanted to see before I get up in New Zealand. And I said, what? <laughs> I said, you're going to go by yourself? And she said, well, you did a lot of times. I said, yeah, but I had, I had escorts 
you know, from the State Department or international escorts or whatever. I said, I didn't travel by myself. Yeah. And she said, well, that's okay. I'm sure I'll find people. Oh, my goodness. And um, she said, you did. And, uh, you know, what can I say? And, and so she took off. And she, of course, had a lot of friends already from New York that were from Scotland, Ireland, England, Italy, I don't know, all places in Europe. Sure. So she bounced around Europe for a long time. Then she took off for India. And the day she told me she was going to India, I said, what in the world are you going to do in India? Who's going with you? Nobody went with her. She went to India. She had a little bit of difficulty a couple of times because of the languages and other things. But she managed to get herself a trek up the Himalayas. Okay. And she got through all that and came back down. And, you know, we, we had calling. We didn't really... Facebook and all that wasn't really, Skype wasn't really up and running and all that as well. It was right. somewhat, but right. not completely. And so we had a conversation. She said, this was the greatest thing. I went up as far as I could go before I started running out of oxygen, and then I had to come <laughs> back down, you know. and Great. Yeah, I'm going like, oh, wonderful, honey, you know. And she says, and tomorrow I have a flight and I'm going to Bangkok. And she said, you said Bangkok was really interesting. <laughs> and I'm going like, yeah, well, it was interesting. But once again, I was with the State Department working on certain things. Right. But she went to Bangkok and she decided she wanted to take a Thai cooking class mm. because she wanted to learn Thai cooking. And the instructor was a young woman at about her age. By the way, my daughter was about uh, 25 at that time, not quite 26. And and so this girl said, well, you know, I'm done teaching at the end of your session, and I'm going back to my family in Chiang Mai, and why don't you come with us, come with me to yeah. stay with my family, and I can teach you some more, and my parents run a pottery shop, and you can help out there for your room and board, and that's what she did. She spent six weeks with them in Chiang Mai and had a wonderful experience there, and afterwards, she then traveled to Vietnam and Laos, Cambodia, Korea, and then took a flight down to Australia, was in Sydney, met a bunch of people in Sydney, and then flew over to New Zealand to get a flat before she started her work yeah. on the um, 18th of February, which is actually her birthday. Okay. So she worked in New... She got to New Zealand and she worked there a year because that's what the law allowed. Right. That she could only work there a year. Mm -hmm. So in late February, she purchased a plane ticket to return home. Right. Actually, she was going to meet you in San Francisco. That's correct. But that never happened because on the scheduled day of the departure, a 9.4 magnitude earthquake rocked the country and Rachel passed away just hours before her flight was scheduled to depart. Literally. How did you, literally, <laughs> how did you get the news of Rachel's passing? That's a hard one. Um, you know, Rachel... And I always had a thing when we got on the plane, yep. right, that I would call her and say, hey, I'm just getting ready to get on the plane when I was going overseas on my trips. And when she was traveling, she did the same thing. You know, hey, I'm getting ready to get on the plane. Well, you know, New Zealand is 16-hour time difference, right? So I knew I'd get woken up, but I didn't, yeah. which was unusual. But I thought, Okay, time difference, you know, who knows, planes, flights, you know, things can get squirrely. Right. So I went on and went ahead to work at the Pentagon. 
And when I got in there, one of the people that worked for me, he said, did you hear about the earthquake? Well, I hadn't had the news on or anything. I was just trying to rush around, get ready, get to work. And uh, it was it was early. It was uh, probably about 6.30 in the morning when I got to work. He said, let's pull this up. But we pulled it up on the computer, he said, because this earthquake had hit New Zealand. And they were showing scenes of Christ Church. And I said, oh, my goodness, Rachel's in Christ Church or was in Christ Church. Mm -hmm. And then they said, you know, that none of the flights got out. You know, the city really collapsed. Part of it crumbled into the ocean. The actual Christ Church itself just collapsed. I mean, the, the whole reason that the, the town is named for. About that time, my boss and his boss and his boss's boss all came into the office and took me into the into his office. And this was in the Pentagon, right? This is in the Pentagon. Okay. And they said, we know that you're getting ready to leave to go meet your daughter, but your daughter didn't make it out of New Zealand. We don't know where she is. Um, my boss's boss said, We've been in contact with the State Department over in Auckland and in Wellington, and they're sending somebody down to Christ Church. Yeah. And I said, oh, my goodness, you know, um, you know, how do I find out anything? And, and But, you know, communications were down. Right. I mean, you know, something like this happens. There's no water, sewer, power. Nothing. There's nothing. There is nothing. And when you have thing, buildings collapsing and crumbling, and I was just— a mess. And right there in my boss's office, mm-hmm. he said, Ferris, he said, um, you and I are both Christians, but I don't know about these two here. But he said, we're going to have a word of prayer. Oh, wow. And we just had a word of prayer because I, I couldn't pray myself, but no. he just prayed for me for the calming. And he said, and we've sent for your husband, Joe, they knew Joe. Yeah. And Joe was on his way from Ohio to uh Virginia, the D.C., right? And we've sent for Joe, and we're going to escort him straight. We've already made contact with him. We're going to escort him straight into the Pentagon, um, and then we're going to start calling and talking to the folks at the State Department. And and I spent about a week there just unable to find anything about her, hoping but yet recognizing that probably she didn't make it. Right. And even though you try to prepare yourself for something like that— just, um, you know, you can't. No. You can't. Um, there's no explanation. You know, why did God need her more than me? I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's something as I don't understand. I won't understand here, but I can guarantee you when he took her home, um, because a building did fall down on her and they mm. did find her, but, you know, when God took her home, and I, I believe firmly that she's up there dancing and singing right. and She's greeting people and having having a great time yeah. talking to yeah. our parents and grandparents and everybody right. else that's up there. Right. Uh, she always said she had a bunch of questions she needed answered, so I'm sure she's asking the questions. You said there's, it's impossible to prepare for something like that. You Not, can't. You just can't. But yet, at the same time, you told me last week that you saw how God did prepare you yeah, for this by some of the pain that you yeah. experienced. Tell us about that. Well, you know, you're not supposed to lose a child. No, you're not. You're not. And and I'll tell you straight up, there is a big hole in my heart and yeah. a big hole in my life. And we can see it here today. And and the life of my son and my ex-husband and my current husband, because her stepfather was very important to her. Yeah. And I don't know, God, 
God takes that pain, and he said, you know what? I'm going to allow you to use it. I'm going to allow you to talk to people um, at the Pentagon. I'm going to allow you to talk to people in other parts of the world. I'm going to allow you to do this podcast today, right. to share the fact, because in the sharing of, of the pain, um, there's great reward because, you know, God's still on the throne, right? right? And as I will repeat, I am here today right. because of him, right? not because of me. That's evident. Because if I was left to my own devices, you losing a child is one of the most devastating things yeah. that can ever happen to you. Most people don't recover. God said, no. Not only are you going to recover, but I'm going to give you extra clearances in your job. I'm going to give you mm. higher responsibilities in your job. I'm going to give you more opportunities to share. Mm. And he did. I mean, I ended up doing more than I ever thought I would do, seeing more than I ever thought of yeah. this earth that I would ever see, meeting more people than I ever thought I would. And the story that I'm now able to share of God's goodness through the pain, right? Right. It's through the pain, right? Is is truly, um, it's Him. Yeah. It's God's story. Yeah. You know, you're talking to me and you're highlighting all this. Thing. It's not me. It's God's story mm. through me. And and I don't know how to explain it any other way because that pain is still there, but yet I am still here, and He allows me to be able to talk about it and to share with you and to communicate how great He is. And um, I just can't wait to get to heaven, to see him. No. Before that happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I told you, he has something else for me to do. I don't know what it is yet. But I want to thank you for being <laughs> vulnerable and honest with us on the podcast. It's very meaningful. I have two questions I want to ask you. First, at several weeks after the earthquake, at Rachel's Celebration of Life service oh, here yeah. in Beaver Creek, many of Rachel's friends from all around the world came to our city to pay their respects. How meaningful was that to you? Oh, my goodness. That was just unbelievable. Um, I couldn't have made it through without them. They kind of took over the memorial service, and they wrote songs. You know, a lot of them were musicians and um, artists as well. You know, in and of their own right, I said I had a house full of 20 and 30-somethings. that I looked like a college dorm just a few years after college, yeah. right? Yeah. They just took over. And to this day, I'm still Mama Ferris. I have sons and daughters all over the world that still communicate with me, that still remember yeah. and um, support me, you know, on those hard times, February right. 22nd being one of them. Right. You know, they were all there. Yeah. All the people that Rachel touched in her life, people, you know, from the community, people from the Pentagon, because Rachel came to visit me, you know, when she was still, you know, when I was in Washington, D.C. in the right. early years right. down there. It was very uplifting, the support of of these young people uh, that just enveloped me. And of course, they're all going, oh no, you're like a mom to us. And yeah. and like I said, so they all still call me Mama Ferris today. That's neat. It's kind of like, uh, I imagine, a miniature United Nations. Yes, it was. It was. Um, we had people from all European countries, from Thailand, from New Zealand, from Australia. Yeah. I mean, you know, at pretty much everywhere she went. Yeah. And the other thing was, you know, Facebook was just coming to its own then. I knew nothing about Facebook. But before my daughter left, she installed it on my phone at the time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to use it. I never used it. But that was the way we ended up communicating with these people all over the world. Yeah. 
And it was the help of some of the young men and women that worked for me in the yeah. Pentagon, right? I yeah. had to have I had to have help because technology is not my thing. That's what I told Chris when I came in. I'm <laughs> glad he's the technologist because I, I am too. We wouldn't rely on me for that. But you know, it uh, yeah, it, it's it's really neat how people can come together and support one another, and the friendships that you build, and the relationship. It's it's relation. You know, we were made for relationship, right? Right, and it's relationships that I'm talking about. Right. If you can build relationships, your life is going to be full and rich. Right. And I'll tell you what, my life is full and rich. I said a few weeks ago on a podcast that there are two things that last forever. People and the Word of God. Absolutely. Your comment there resonates with me. And But as Rachel has had an impact, as you saw in the lives of many who came to her service, so too you are having an impact in the lives of a lot of Cedarville University students now because you are endowing a scholarship in memory of Rachel. Why yes. is that important to you? Could it be even a, give you an element of closure? Well, in, in a way, it does bring me closure. But, you know, one of the things that uh, I just believe in is that we are to build relationships. We build lives for Jesus Christ. And I know whenever I came out here, I actually came on a, a tuition scholarship. I had to work for my room and board. But, you know, I looked at that and I said, you know, there are some students that need to be in a Christian setting, in a Christian college, university. And without help, they can't be there. But God has a special plan and purpose for them, too. No matter how long or short their life is, um, he has a special purpose. Yeah. And Rachel and I both had gifts in music and theater and people, basically. I call it the people gift. Yes, you do. Right? I'm a people person. I don't deny it. To me, a, a good place for this scholarship, uh, you know, was in the music and fine arts area. Okay. And, and that's that's where this is, and that's what gets, in, gets endowed. And the Lord is just blessed me to be able to do that because I tell people I started twice at the very bottom with nothing. Right. I mean, I told you, I last podcast, I I couldn't even buy a gallon of milk at one point. Right. I had nothing. And the Lord has honored my service and he's blessed that. And because of that, he's blessed me to be able to give back. And I can't reach maybe as many people as as I think I should reach, but I'm definitely reaching people God wants me to reach and this scholarship helps me reach somebody in a tangible way that I might not otherwise have an opportunity yeah. to reach. Right. Um, and it's not me. It's Jesus Christ, yeah. right? Uh, he's the one that's drawing them in. And sometimes it takes some tangible things to cement certain experiences in our life. Mm -hmm. And then... Student may not even realize it now. I mean, when I got my $300, <laughs> you know, I never thought about what that would mean later on. Right. Right. But God builds. Each little thing builds. But we have to have a good foundation. So once again, I think Cedarville gives that good foundation. And I want to support that foundation mm -hmm. in the lives of the students. Well, thank you for supporting future Cedarville students. And even for today and, and last week on the podcast, thanks for being real, transparent, and sharing your stories, your pain, and most importantly, how the Lord brought you through and developed you and prepared you for each situation. I said at the outset of the very first podcast that I thought this was going to be a very inspiring program for our listeners, and I, I believe it was, and I know it was for me. And I want to thank you for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Well, you're welcome, and just remember, God's not finished with us yet. He's not. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. 
If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory. Thank you.